Hello and welcome to the podcast, English for Life in the UK. This podcast is for people who want to improve their English and at the same time learn something about life in this country. And I'm joined today by Phoebe and Christine. Phoebe, how are you? Hi, Mark. I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm great, yeah. Well, considering the circumstances, I'm good. <laughs> Christine, how are you? I'm, I'm feeling well today. I'm feeling good. I've been out on my bike and uh, I managed to find some sunshine, which I like very much. That's lovely. That's lovely. I think we're going to talk a bit about some of that later on. So today we're going to do an episode about the coronavirus and what's been happening around that. We did an episode back in April, and yet here we are in the January of the next year, and we're still deep in the middle of this crisis, this pandemic. So a pandemic is when a disease spreads rapidly far and wide across many countries. Um, so what we're going to do today is we're going to say a bit about what the overall situation is across the world. We're going to uh, say something about what's going on in the United Kingdom and to some extent locally where we are in Yorkshire. Uh, we're going to say something about how you can look after yourself, how we've been looking after ourselves and how other people can through these difficult times and then we're going to talk about what's happening with the vaccinations, because that really is, we hope, our way out of all of this. So that's the, uh, the, the general area that we're going to cover today. I should say straight away that if you want absolutely accurate, up-to-date information, you are better going to the government website that is gov.uk that's the website for this country or the nhs website so again that's the health service in the united kingdom and uh, there you will get lots of very accurate very up-to-date information but we're going to cover things which we hope will be generally helpful here so the uh, the sad thing to say is this uh, this virus is still very much with us and have, really has spread across just about every country in the world. Uh, more than a hundred million people across the world have been infected with the virus, and more than two million people have died worldwide. So this is an extremely serious event that we are in the middle of. Uh, it's particularly people who are in their 60s and over, 60 years old and more, uh, who have uh, difficult health conditions already, who are the most likely to get seriously ill and sadly to die. But actually, we also know that people of all ages and in all health circumstances can get ill from this. Uh, the largest number of cases and deaths have been in the Americas, that's the USA and parts of South America, and in Europe, where the United Kingdom has been one of the worst affected. 
It has been lower in areas like Africa, parts of Asia, Australia and New Zealand, although still people have died in all those countries. The other thing that's happened if there there have been two or in some cases even three waves of the virus. What that means is a peak, a high number of infections and hospitalizations and deaths, which has then gone down and then it's gone up again like a wave. Um, and certainly in the United Kingdom, we're, we're in the middle of what you could call a third wave. Um, the main symptoms of the virus, that's those things that indicate whether you might have it, are a cough, a high temperature and a change to your smell and taste. But it's important to say that one in three people with the virus don't have any symptoms and yet they also spread the virus. And that's another reason why it's so difficult and dangerous. Now, apparently, uh, scientists tell us that all viruses change. They mutate over time and that you get new variations of the virus. And that has happened with this one. And in particular, there are mutations in Brazil, in South Africa and in the United Kingdom, which are spreading more easily and more rapidly. Most countries around the world have had to introduce restrictions of some kind. Uh, they've asked people to keep at a distance from each other to avoid crowds and especially indoors, to wear masks, to wash your hands regularly and to work from home wherever possible. On the positive side, hospitals, although they've got lots of cases, have got better at treating people. We do know more about how to treat people now. And the other thing which we're going to say more about later is that we do now have some vaccines that have been approved and are starting to be used. So that's a general picture of things there. Phoebe, I think you're going to tell us a bit about what's going on in the United Kingdom at the moment. Yes, I can tell you more about the UK. Um, now, as um, we've talked about before, obviously the UK is made up of four countries, England, Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland. And each country does have its own government and each country is responding to the virus Every single country in the UK is now in lockdown. Wales, they went into lockdown on the 20th of December and they're still in lockdown. And I don't think any of our countries will be coming out of lockdown anytime soon. <laughs> in England, um, where we live at the moment, for us, um, this lockdown only started on the 5th of January, uh, which some people have said was too late. And we should have done it the same as Wales, you know, before uh, the new year and this lockdown is not as strict as it was in March um, I don't know how it feels um, for you Christine and Mark for me this new lockdown kind of feels um, the same as before lockdown because my job I work from home so that stayed the same I can still go to the shops the same apart from now clothes shops are closed only food shops are open has it much changed for any of you? 
I find it a, a bit of a shame. I can't meet a group of friends outdoors now. I used to I have a large group of friends and we like to meet up. And we, we were before lockdown, we were meeting up outside, ch chatting, go for a walk. We can't do that now. Only I could meet one other friend and go for a walk with them. I miss that. I have seven grandchildren and we are helping out with childminding with one of them but we're only allowed to do one yes you're only allowed to look after one of your grandchildren oh that must be hard mark um yeah it's affected everyone differently for some people it will be a huge change you know my brother is 12 years old so he goes to school but he's not going to school anymore because the new lockdown they've closed all the schools so all the students, can you imagine, are all sitting at home on their laptops or computers and or phones and trying to do lessons online through Zoom. Bless him, my brother's been trying very hard, but it's so hard and it must be so difficult for the teachers as well. Only shops are open for food and everyone has to work at home unless they can't. For example, you know, if you're a cleaner or you're a builder, any occupation where you have to go to the place of work we used to be able to meet up to six friends uh, but now you can only meet one friend outside you can't go to people's houses or visit people uh, obviously if you have to go to hospital or to the doctors you can do and like you mentioned Mark childcare that's another important reason where people can leave their homes most importantly we can exercise once a day so I like to go out for my walk if I can once a day and get some fresh air. Yes, I go for walks too, Phoebe. But I, I've, I'm finding it a bit different in this lockdown. In the first lockdown in the spring, I actually really enjoyed it. It was lovely. I could watch the, the flowers and the, the trees come into bud, the leaves start. But now it's winter and it's cold and I find... I just find that my mood is, is lower than it was in springtime and I'm finding it more difficult and I think quite a lot of people are. I don't know, I mean I do some things to try to lift my mood and um, get through the dark winter. I wonder what you do, Phoebe, you said you go for a walk and um, what, what else do you do that keeps you keeps you cheerful in these difficult times one thing I've been doing a lot actually is um listening to audiobooks um through the library you can listen for free which is great so I just um found my local library online and uh, got an app on my phone to listen to the books so that's great um and also I love listening to podcasts I'm sure some of our listeners maybe do also if they're here listening. <laughs> Sounds good, Phoebe. What about you, Mark? As Phoebe said, I, I go for a walk regularly. We have some woods near us and I love going into the woods and listening to the bird sound and watching. And of course, we've had snow recently, so that's made, that's made it quite beautiful there. I think the other key thing that's kept me going is that I've been regularly in touch with my children and my grandchildren often using using Zoom, WhatsApp and other ways of keeping in touch. But I do think keeping in touch with people is an important part of looking after yourself and looking after those other people as well. Yes, it is, isn't it? Really important to 
stay in touch with people. And something I'm, I've found myself doing, I, I'm trying to relax more. I'm actually doing jigsaws. I haven't done them since I was a child, really, but now I, we have a jigsaw on the go. And I like to just sit and peacefully do a jigsaw. And I do try to do something creative as well. I, I mean, I think it is important that people keep stimulating yourself and perhaps trying something new. I expect our listeners are stimulating themselves by learning English. I've, I've taught myself a new way of knitting. It would be good to hear from the listeners what they're doing to keep occupied, are they, if they have to stay at home a lot at the moment, um, and how people are staying in touch with people. Let us know. Send us an email. Get it. So don't forget, you can email us. It is English for Life in the UK at gmail.com. Thanks, Christine. So, uh, Phoebe, tell us a bit about what's happening in hospitals in the UK at the moment. They're obviously doing an amazing job at the moment to treat as many people as possible, everyone, um, and do the best they can for them. And they are run by our NHS, our National Health Service, that we're all very, very proud of. Um, I think in polls, when you ask British people what they're most proud of, it's usually always the NHS. Um, but they are under a lot of pressure at the moment because so many people are so ill and they are committed to treating everyone. You know, you don't have to pay to go to hospital in, in this country. Uh, they're making a lot of effort to do everything they can. They've got special wards for people with COVID to try and stop it from spreading as well. And obviously they're continuing to train all their doctors and nurses so we can get as many people helping to fight this virus as possible. And one of the other amazing things that they're doing at the moment is rolling out the vaccine. Um, and I know it's been really important to tell people in the UK that you will get the vaccine and it will be for free and it will be on the NHS. If anybody tries to call you or sends you a text to say, pay me and I'll give you the vaccine, don't listen to them. It's a scam. <laughs> Report that to the police. <laughs> Just to say a bit more about the vaccine. So there are actually um, three different vaccines that have been approved for use in the United Kingdom. And we are actually ahead of almost anywhere else in the world in terms of the number of people that we are vaccinating. So there's over four million people in this country already have had the vaccine, had one dose at least of the vaccine. Um, there is a priority list. And it is at the moment those people over the age of 80, those people who are particularly vulnerable health wise, those people who are in care homes and those people who work in health and social care. So that's where the priority is at the moment. Then it's going to come down to eight, the age groups. So the 70s next and then into the 60s. Um, the government has set itself a target, but that by the middle of February, they will have all the over 70s uh, vaccinated, as well as those other priority groups I mentioned. And at the moment, the prediction is that the, if all goes well, we could have all adults vaccinated by September of this year. But obviously, that's still 
um, uh, will depend on the delivery of the, the vaccine. Do you know anyone who's had the vaccine yet, Mark? I do, actually. Um, my mother-in-law, who is 94, I think Amazing. it is. She was, one of the first, she was one of the first people in the country on the very first day when the vaccine was given. She she had it. Fantastic. So, um, She's making yeah, history. So My sister works in a care home and she's had the vaccine as well. A couple of other things I wanted to say about the vaccine. One is, if you are in the United Kingdom, you will be contacted by your doctor when it is your turn, as long as you are registered with a doctor. And so if any of you are not yet registered with a doctor, with a GP surgery, that's a general practitioner, is that, that's the name for doctors in this country, um, then you need to make sure you've got yourself registered and then you will be on the list when it is your turn. I think the other thing to say is uh, there are some people who've been worried about the vaccine because of how quickly it's been produced. But actually, the, the processes that the scientists have gone through means that the vaccine is actually very safe. Um, they've had very strict standards for the quality, the safety and the effectiveness. There have been trials and there are checks of every batch of vaccines as it gets produced. So we are very confident that the vaccine is safe. Uh, there have been, as I said, over four million people have had, been given the vaccine so far in this country. And there are almost no people who've had any serious side effects from it. So a sore arm, yes, but no serious side effects from it. And the other thing to say that has occasionally people have worried about, there are no animal products in the vaccine and there is no alcohol in the vaccine. So for those people for whom that's important in terms of their religious beliefs uh, and other beliefs, that's just to say that it is it is safe in those terms as well. Every country in the world, all scientists across the world we're working together to make this vaccine. You know, normally when the scientists make a vaccine, it's just one country, maybe two. But because this is such a huge problem across the world, everyone worked together. It's amazing, really. And and now we can get the world vaccinated against this virus. The World Health Organization has been an important organization that's coordinated a lot of this over these last few months. And I think uh, you know, we would say it's really important that people do get the vaccine because this is the way out of it. Because the more people we get vaccinated, the less the virus will spread, and eventually we will uh, will rid ourselves largely of this this virus. And we may have to have vaccinations regularly. And I'd like to be sure you know that the that there will be organisations where you are if you're in Halifax, of course. St Augustine's can help you. There are organisations that will help people right across the country. Uh, Halifax St Augustine's um, provide hot food on uh, twice a week on Mondays and Thursdays. And they have advice lines on, on Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday, for example, where you can phone up for help. And so I recommend that you do that if you need it. And if you're not local to Halifax, then... Look about locally, make inquiries and find out what's available locally. 
because there are lots of community organisations that help people in the UK. That's great, Christine. There is help around. There are things you can do yourself to look after yourself through all of this. And with the vaccinations, there really is light at the end of the tunnel. Language support. This is the part of the podcast where I choose some words or phrases from this episode and explain them in a little more detail. Just two of them today. Right at the end of this episode, I said that the vaccine gave us light at the end of the tunnel. This is the idea that after a long period of difficulty, that actually you're nearing the end. It's a metaphor, metaphor, that is, using one thing or idea to stand for or represent something else. So here we've got the idea of a long, dark tunnel, and eventually you see a little glimmer, a small amount of light in the distance, and that tells you you're getting towards the end. It can be used negatively, so you can say there is no light at the end of the tunnel, which would mean you're in a difficult period and you can't see the end of it. And then the second one is just a little bit more about the word word lockdown, which was used here and is used officially by the government sometimes to talk about what's happening in this country at the moment to protect us from the virus. A lockdown is a decision to tell people to stay where they are, not to go out or to leave the area where they are. It's often used in prisons. When prisons go on a lockdown, it means all the prisoners have to stay in their individual cells, for example. Here it's used in the pandemic. It's not, strictly speaking, a full lockdown. It's not that people can't leave their homes. It's that they are told to stay in as much as possible and only to leave for very specific reasons, which were set out in this episode. That's it for this week. You can find the transcript, that's the written version of this episode, on our website www.staugustinecentrehalifax.org.uk and that's where you can also find links to all the other episodes and the transcripts so you can listen and read along at the same time. That's also where you can find out how to donate to help our work. We are a charity supporting particularly refugees, asylum seekers and migrants, but also all those in need in our local area. And uh, we would welcome your support if you felt able to give it. If you follow on the website the links to Get Involved and Donate. We also have an email address, that's englishforlifeintheuk at gmail.com 
and we would love to hear from you your thoughts on our podcast and ideas for the future. We also have a Twitter account at Esol Saint and there is additional material on that site. I will spell out all those addresses. So the website www.staugustentiehealthifax.org.uk So that's the website. The email is English for Life in the UK at gmail.com and that's English for spelt F O R. And finally, the Twitter account is at capital E S O L capital S A I N T.